This is Jim English, and welcome to my podcast called The Who Gives a Shit Files. And today we're going to be talking about a serial killer, so I want to give you a fair warning that there's going to be graphic violence, murder, and mayhem in this, and it is not for the meek and mild, so please consider yourself warmed. And thank you for listening. Now, we have a morbid fascination with serial killers. Not only do humans, but actually Hollywood has made hundreds of movies about serial killers. And when I was a kid, the first movie I remember about a serial killer was Psycho. There were ones out before that, but I had no concept of a serial killer until I saw that movie. And it was one of Alfred Hitchcock's best work. It was very scary. You got Norman Bates in the Bates Motel, knifing Janet Lee in the shower, and it was a very scary situation. And, you know, as a kid, I led a pretty sheltered life. I had no idea that these type of people existed, but they do. Now, since then, we've had Friday the 13th movies. There's been, what, four or five of them, several Halloween movies. There's been Saw, like one, two, three, four, five. So serial killers get a fair amount of representation in Hollywood. As a matter of fact... Charlize Theron, a couple of years ago, probably, what, six, seven years ago, got a Best Actress Award for Monster. And I have to tell you that, you know, she's a gorgeous model, and I can't believe the way she physically transformed herself to fit into that role. And if you're talking about really the granddaddy of them all, the biggest, the most popular and most highly acclaimed serial killer movie, it's Silence of the Lambs, about Hannibal, Hannibal the Cannibal. Anthony Hopkins got Best Actor. Jodie Foster got Best Actress. Uh, John Demme, Best Director. It was Best Picture. It's ranked the 48th Best Film in Hollywood history. I mean, it is a situation here where serial killers do hold a fascination and Hollywood has deemed them profitable. That's why they keep making these movies because people keep seeing them. I mean, why do we have such a fascination with serial killers like Ted Bundy who killed all those poor girls? And by the way, Zac Efron is in a Netflix series about Ted Bundy and it's excellent. It gives you real insight into what he did. And fascinated with Jeffrey Dahmer. I remember when that came out and that he was a cannibal. And the irony of it is that Hannibal Lecter and Jeffrey Dahmer were both cannibals and they were both came out about the same time. Also, we're fascinated with Richard Ramirez, Son of Sam, John Wayne Gacy. I mean, these, these type of serial killers hold us spellbound. And what we're trying to do is we're trying to understand why killers do such horrible things to people that they don't know. I mean, what type of darkness possesses them to be able to commit such wicked and vile crimes? And, you know, TV has really jumped on this too, as Criminal Minds has been a long-running TV series. And they really try and delve into the mindset, the background of their serial killers. And another one that I really enjoyed was Netflix did a show called Mind Hunters. And they've done two, two seasons, and I hope they do a third, because they really do a deep dive into the psyche of these monsters. And I remember one specifically 
There's a guy who is 6'8 and over 300 pounds. And by the way, this is based on a huge story. And in the series, he is so calm and reserved and tranquil. But he's got this explosive element to him. And when you're that size and you have that physical stature, I could just see him, although they didn't show this in the series, I could just see him erupting into a violent rage and tearing somebody apart. Now, many people discussed, you know, is it environment, the way people were born, the way they grew up, or is it an inheritance? Is it congenital? Do they have a predisposition towards murder and violence because of some implicit mental illness? Well, or is it both? Now, there are instances like Ted Bundy, for example, he was abused as a kid. He had an awful childhood, and you can understand why he ended up being a serial killer, where somebody like Jeffrey Dahmer, who had good parenting, was just weird and off base from the day he was born. He had a congenital genetic predisposition towards violence, and it became apparent at a very young age. As a matter of fact, his father warned the police when he grew up to be an adult that he is capable of some evil. And now there are people that have both. So they both have a predisposition to perpetrate evil and violence on their hapless victims. And others also have a, a background in what they were exposed to as childs that made them vicious killers. Now, my fascination is with a lady that we're going to talk about now. Her name is Elizabeth Bathory, and I'll refer to her as Liz or Lizzie or Elizabeth in, these, in, in this podcast. And she fascinated me because I'm a world record guy. I love to look at world records, and she has the world record for the most serial killers, the most murders committed by a female. And her murders that she did on her victims are, are really beyond description. And I mean, one cannot imagine what she did in terms of sickness and cruelty that she employed in her tortures and her killings. I mean, in the deepest, darkest recesses of your mind, you can't imagine what she did. In your murkiest nightmares, what she did is just unspeakable evil. And it was sick beyond all measures of sanity. And I have to tell you, I am not exaggerating. And I'll talk about what she did and how she did it in a little bit. But what caused Elizabeth to torture and murder her victims was a unique blend of both environment and genetics. Now, she was born in 1560 in the Kingdom of Hungary. So she's, she's, uh, she was born a long time ago. And by the way, the Kingdom of Hungary includes Transylvania. And if you know, if you follow horror movies and gothic, gothic novels, you find out that one of the focal points of these movies and these novels is Transylvania, because that is supposedly where Dracula came from. And Dracula was the vampire, 
and I've read that Dracula was inspired by her deeds and what she did to her victims. First, when we start talking about uh, her environment, we need to talk about 16th century Hungary. Uh, Liz was born into a rich noble family, aristocratic in nature. She had a lot of money. She had a lot of land. Her uncle was a king. And back then, the divide between nobles and the commoners was huge. Rich landowners had total control over their servants, as well as the farmers who worked their land. They had total immunity to do whatever they wanted to commoners. They couldn't do it to to other nobles, but they could do it to commoners. I mean, torturing of the peons by the nobility was not unusual. There were no laws to help the poor. Uh, there was certainly no human rights, and believe me, there was no chapter of the ACLU in 16th century Hungary. It was a tough situation if you were poor. Now, the land itself was filled with dense forests, moors, and swamps. The land was nearly impassable. It was shrouded in mystery, superstition, witchcraft, and devil worshiping. It was a dark, sinister place steeped in, in demonic legends. And as I said before, this was the environment in which Liz was born into. And also back in the Europe, and especially in Eastern Europe, in 16th century Hungary, inbreeding and incest was part of the deal. And Liz was a product of both inbreeding and incest. Now, what the, the rationale of the, of the nobles at the time, the noble families, was they wanted pure blood. They didn't want their blood mixed with commoners. This would dilute their, their status as, as superior human beings because that's the way they viewed themselves. They were superior, so they mated with each other to make sure that status remained the same. And Lizzie's parents were first cousins. Her ancestors and her uncle had a nasty reputation for cruelty and torture. So Liz's interbreeding was the source of many of her mental health issues and also her physical issues. She had epilepsy which was at the time supposed to be like a demonic possession. Legend has it that her parents would rub blood on her lips from a human being that didn't have epilepsy to cure her. And that blood that was on her lips as a young girl was the first time, but not the last time she ever tasted blood. They also rubbed human skull all over her head because at that time, they thought that was going to be the cure. Uh, we can honestly say that in, in 16th century Hungary, the medical advancements were pretty limited. Also, too, Lizzie was exposed to witchcraft and devil worshiping as a young girl by her uncle. So we see a scenario developing here where we have the optimum environment and genetic predisposition 
for the thriving of a three of a female serial killer. It was a perfect perfect confluence of factors to create what Guinness Book of World Records caused as the most prolific female serial killer in the history of this planet. Now, Elizabeth um, Bath Bathory was married to a nobleman when she was 15 and he was 19. Now, she did not take his last name because of the fact that she had a higher social status, so she kept her last name. And in 16th century Hungary, social status meant more than anything. The elite could literally, literally get away with murder. In 1517, sorry, 1578, her husband went off to fight the Turks in the Ottoman War. He was a professional soldier. And she was now 18, and she was in charge of her family estate, the vast lands that surrounded them. She was the governess of the local populace. And in 1578, when she was 18, this is when it started. What she would do is she would travel throughout her land and started torturing young girls. And her target demographics were girls between, say, 9 and 17. Um, and that's the type of girl she would like to torture. And what happened is she soon got bored with this type of torture. So what she did is she started luring peasant girls to her castle with a promise of work. And at that time, the poor were starving. There was a famine going on. So these people flocked, these young girls flocked to her castle. And this is when she started getting into serial killing. And suddenly, the girls started missing. At first, a few years, um, a few girls were, were missing. And then over the years, the ranks of the missing girls started swelling. And mysteries and rumors and whispers started leaking out all over Eastern Europe about the horrifying tortures and the goings-on at Liz's castle. Now, her husband was once again a soldier who was away fighting all the time. And finally, in 1604, he passed away. And this is when Lizzie, our serial killer, became totally unhinged. Um, her husband, without her husband, there was nothing to mitigate her bloodlust. Now, instead of dozens of girls missing, there were hundreds of girls missing. The stories came out of the castle about the torture and murder were, were reaching all over the realm and nobody would do anything about it. And the reason being is because she was not doing this to nobles. Now, some of the stuff she did, and once again, this, gets, this is really graphic and it's pretty even hard to to say for me is she put needles under the fingernails of her victims. Uh, she would cut off noses and breasts. She'd stitch up mouths of these young girls and watch them starve to death. She removed limbs and poison. What she would do is she would investigate poisons that would cause the most pain, not the poisons that work the quickest. 
she would do the ones that created the most suffering for her victims, and those are the ones she would use going forward. Woo, this one's tough. She would cover her girls, once again, 9 to 16, 17-year-old girls in honey and tie them up, throw them outside, and watch the insects devour her, devour these girls. And by the way, she would watch this. She would watch this. It's not like she would go visit the skeletons later. She would watch as they slowly ate the people to death. Whew. She would, there were stories about her cutting open dead horses, forcing little girls inside, and then stitching them up and having them die inside the belly of a horse. Not a very good way to go at all. Not a very good way to go at all. Now, she would cook her victim's flesh and make them eat it themselves. Now, this was in a Hannibal Lecter movie. It wasn't in Silence of the Lambs, but it was in one of the, one of the sequels where Anthony Hopkins, Hannibal Lecter, made Ray Liotta eat part of his brain. He fired, fried it up for him and, re, and sorry, Ray Liotta, uh, who was a FBI agent in the movie, um, he ate part of his brain, and this was derived from Lizzie and some of the torture she did. She would take virgins, and once again, 9 to 14, 15, 16, and she would literally drain them of all their blood. She'd cut them open, and she'd watch the blood drain out, into a bath and she would take a bloodbath. She would, this wasn't a figurative bloodbath. This was a literal bloodbath. And while she was in there, they say she drank the blood too. And what she thought would happen was by bathing in virgin blood, she would have eternal youth. Well, we all know that that didn't work. So for a decade or more, um, everybody ignored the rumors, and the reason they ignored the rumors, the authorities, the king, and the courts ignored it is because she was doing these atrocities on peasant girls. She did not do this on anybody of noble blood. I mean, you know, the distinction between the nobility and the commoners or the peons in Hungary at the time is just shocking, shocking. There, there were no laws protecting these poor people and these rich people could do anything they wanted. Now, what happened is that she decided that she was getting bored with doing just the commoners. So she started dabbling and murdering and getting no, noble girls, lesser noble girls. So these girls weren't of the same royal blood as her, but they were nobility nonetheless and get them involved in her blood orgies. So finally, the nobles started saying, telling King Matthias III that there was, their daughters were missing and they were last seen at the castle of Lizzie. So he went to investigate. Actually, he sent an emissary to investigate and what he found was horror beyond description. So what happened is he saw limbs being strewn about. He saw carcasses, insects, flies. I mean, it was a macabre scene out of the worst horror movie that you can imagine. 
And her bloodlust went on for two decades. She was doing this for two decades. And, but nobody did anything because once again, she was not involving any noble, noble girls in her, in her blood fantasies. So in 1611, it came to a stop. Her grotesque, grisly, gruesome killings lasted over 20 years. And they finally set her on, they put her on trial. And 289 people testified against her and what she did. Now, the stories that were told at that trial still reverberate around Eastern Europe. It's the things that legends are created out of. And it was, the, once again, the birth of Transylvania and all the horrors that are associated with that legendary place. Now, she had three accomplices who were burned at the stake. They were found guilty. But since Elizabeth Bathory was of noble descent, she had noble blood. It was inbred and incestuous blood, but it was noble nonetheless. She didn't even have to go to jail. I mean, what they did is they sent her to an exile in her castle. I mean, basically, she got a timeout. So in spite of all these stories, of all the murder, of all the mayhem, the drinking of blood, the cannibalism, everything that went on, she got a timeout. I'm sorry, you got to go to your room and stay there for the rest of your life. That was her punishment. I mean, it's just shocking to understand that the difference between how they treated commoners and how they treated royalty in Eastern Europe or in the early 1600s. Now, the Guinness Book of Records has her as committing over 600 murders. I mean, that's a lot over a two-decade span. And she was um, considered the vampiress, the original vampiress, the original vampire in Eastern Europe. And now she is renowned for drinking blood and bathing in blood and being the most prolific serial killer on this planet um, in terms of female gender. So it's kind of tough to get through. Thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoyed it.